Since 2010, many of us Montana residents, business owners, sportsmen and women, and conservationists join forces under the banner of Montanans for Healthy Rivers to identify and conserve the last best free-flowing rivers in Montana. Some of the greatest river stewards and boots on the ground helping to protect our rivers day in and day out are guides. From a guiding perspective, I can tell you that sustainability and preservation is my ultimate goal. My name is Kinsley Scott. I'm a Montana native and guide, and I have been with Montanans for Healthy Rivers for years now. Welcome to River Ramble Guides Edition. In this series, we will hear from guides and outfitters from across the state in various regions of the proposed grassroots legislation Montanans for Healthy Rivers Coalition is currently fighting for. The Crown of the Continent proposal would protect 200 river miles in the heart of Montana, and the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would preserve an additional 336 miles of river within the pristine Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. In today's episode, we are joined by an experienced international guide, Josh Edwards. Jed, to his friends, has spent over a decade fishing and enjoying the upper reaches of the Yellowstone River. He is here representing the Yellowstone River outside of the park boundary and the vital tributary of Bear Creek. Jed shares with us his love of these places and why protection of them is so important. Jed, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Good. All is well over here. How's the weather over where you are? I'm finally starting to see a little bit of snow. We've had a bit of a dry spell, but looks like we're going to fall into winter. Same here over on the west side of the divide. So, well, Jed, thank you so much for joining us here today. You are representing an important component within the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act region and also the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So the drainage we're talking about here today is the upper Yellowstone River just outside of the park and one of its important tributaries, Bear Creek. But before we jump in, Jed, I understand you normally wouldn't be in Montana this time of the year. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, most years after our summer season here, wind down and uh, do some hunting and fishing in the fall for myself and then travel to Chile to guide down there in southern Patagonia. Awesome. So kind of piggybacking off of that, Jed, for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've... Uh, been fly fishing for the better part of my life. I've um, been a professional guide here in Montana for the last 10 years. Uh, I got introduced to fishing in Montana when I was in college. Uh, had a summer job actually here in Livingston for a fly shop at Yellowstone Angler. Um, and that over time developed from a summer job into a full-time position after I graduated college where I helped run the bookings for the shop for about four and a half years. Um, and then started guiding full-time for them and other small independent outfitters in the area. Awesome. So nowadays, here in Montana, what rivers do you spend most of your time on? You know, my primary focus is the Yellowstone. Um, however, I also spend a fair amount of time on the Madison, the Missouri River in the spring and fall, um, the local spring creeks here in Livingston, private lakes, and some smaller rivers in uh, Yellowstone Park and even outside the park boundaries. Well. Speaking of the Yellowstone, as I said, you are representing the upper stretches of the Yellowstone River just outside of the park boundary. And I'll go ahead and drop a geographical pin 
And then after that, I was wondering if you could follow up with kind of a further description of the area. Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So the protection that we're talking about here today for the upper Yellowstone is just upstream from the confluence of the Gardner River in the town of Gardner, Montana, which is the northern entrance of the park, all the way down to Carbella Fishing Access Site. In addition to that, the entirety of the vital tributary that is Bear Creek that joins the Yellowstone where we're talking, just downstream of the Black Canyon within this Montana Headwaters Legacy Act region. So in total, the Yellowstone would receive 18 miles of protection under the Wild and Scenic Act, and Bear Creek would gain nine miles. If you could go ahead and give us a little bit more of a description on the area. I know it's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. You know, the, the particular section that we're talking about on the Yellowstone River is just outside the park boundaries. And, and we're already so fortunate here on the Yellowstone that, you know, our headwaters, which essentially is Yellowstone Lake um, and the tributaries within the park itself, are already protected. We're very lucky in the fact that that we have those federal uh, protections in place through the Park Service. However, mm-hmm. as, on a state level, as you exit the park, um, I think we can greatly benefit from adding this particular section to the wild and scenic area. Uh, it is the last stronghold for cutthroat trout outside of the park boundaries. So it's an incredibly important estuary. It's a great spawning grounds for those fish. Uh, there's clean, cold water there. And, you know, you don't really have a lot of pollutants that you'll find a little bit further downstream because of the lack of agriculture um, and the fact that it is butted up adjacent to Yellowstone Park boundary. Bear Creek itself is a tributary that enters, I I believe, actually within the boundary of the park. However, most of that creek is outside in the Absorca Beartooth Wilderness. So both are are very vital important stretches. And I think that, you know, really for any Montanan, saving the Yellowstone would be a giant victory. Um, we, we've already been through, you know, a various level of challenges here on the Yellowstone where we've had proposed mines and um, other potentially destructive things for the future. However, we've been able to, you know, put our foot down and the local community has really stood up for the river because it's, you know, essentially the the river is our economic backer. Uh, that's what brings everyone here. Um, so in order for us to continue to thrive, we need the river to thrive. Absolutely. And speaking to the, you know, not only the Yellowstone River, which I did a little bit of digging into some facts, hard facts, and it is a lengthy river. It's about 700 miles from start to finish. And A neat component of it is it descends from about 12,800 feet to 1,800 feet. So it's a megalithic watershed for us here in Montana. And just as you said, protection kind of bumping that invisible line of protection just outside of the park to cover these areas is monumental. And, you know, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem arguably is one of the richest and most diverse known to mankind. Um, I mean, from a geothermal features to wildlife, there's no other place like it on Earth. Yeah. Thanks to some forward-thinking people, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I would completely agree, and especially with this particular section that uh, would be, you know, protected by this act. Uh, within this section, you have 
like you said, geothermal features. There's hot springs that pour directly into the river. There are herds of elk on both sides of the river that, that utilize the river and the ag that, that is adjacent to the riverbanks um, for their feeds, you know, most specifically during the fall season. Also, petrified rocks, um, agatized rocks, uh, on down to, you know, like we spoke about originally, the, the fish species that are in the water there. Can you give us a typical day of what a, a day of fishing would be like on these upper stretches? Like, what could we expect and what other types of species of fish are there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in this particular section, you know, I think the best fishing for anywhere in Montana is the summertime. That's That goes without being said. Um, mm-hmm. You can fish this particular stretch of river pretty much all year with the exception of just, you know, the absolute middle thralls of winter. The dry fly fishing is kind of the the major highlight of this section. Um, most people, especially people that grew up in this area, uh, some of their fondest memories are going to be at the very upper end of this river fishing dry flies for cutthroat. Uh, they're, they're just willing targets to eat flies, and, and, you know, it's a great place for beginners and experts to go and enjoy a day of sight fishing to fish um, on the surface. With that being said, you could also uh, have a day where you throw streamers and, and you catch, you know, cutthroat, browns, rainbows. Uh, maybe you, you're fishing dry dropper and you're doing the exact same thing. Um, the other species that's in this section that we probably should touch on a little bit is the Rocky Mountain whitefish. Um, they historically have gotten, a, you know, kind of a bad name as a sport fish. However, they're incredibly important for our ecosystem. Um, we refer to them, you know, with our clients often as the canary in the coal mine. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they require much colder water, uh, a healthier ecosystem. So when you start to see issues with that fishery, uh, when, when those whitefish are affected, you know, those problems that are affecting them are going to directly uh, trickle down to the trout. Absolutely. Yeah, They're, they are very much an indica- indicator species uh, for a connected ecosystem. So, Jed, let me ask you, why is this area special to you? Uh, it, at this point, it's home. But I think what captivated me the most was the the vast expanse of this land, including the river itself. I grew up in North Carolina, and anybody that's from the southeast or the east coast, just, there are not rivers of this magnitude. This river is incredibly large, but it's, it's incredibly intimate as well. Um, if anyone spends time out there, you just fall in love with the place and you realize how interconnected it all is. Uh, I think that the beauty of how everything works together in this valley, along with the community that holds it all together, um, the people here are just fantastic. And I think that anyone that travels to this area or has been through this area could attest to that. Every single individual that lives here, regardless if they're directly involved with fishing or uh, you know, let's say they work for the railroad, they're still passionate about this river. And it speaks to them the same that it would speak to you or myself. Care and this reverence for these special places, like you said, it doesn't have to be directly connected as, as we are on the water every day. People care in different capacities. And that is one special thing about Montanans is we really do care. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, for me being, especially, you know, not growing up here, and coming here, just the fact of, of meeting people over time and and really understanding that 
this love that I have and that I've established for this river is not a it's not a personal love. I mean, there anyone that you talk to uh, has their own love affair with this river, which I think is just a beautiful thing to be that connected. It really is, and you know, threading kind of threading that through to our next little question here: How do you share important conservation issues facing Montanans with clients? You know, through this sounds silly, but through basic communication. Mm-hmm. You know, my goal is to you know, when I'm taking someone out, I want to find out, you know, number one, their knowledge base. Number number two, try to educate them on the things that are happening locally and provide them with the correct information on what our fisheries are facing. Uh, and once, they, once they're here, once they're in the boat and they're fishing and they're captivated by this place and you start talking about, you know, we're, we're really working hard. Like, for instance, there was a proposed gold mine in, in Immigrant, which is uh, just south of the location we're talking about. And and for years, they were talking about putting in a gold mine, which potentially, you know, would be would be a great job builder for our community. However, mm-hmm. you also run the risk of, of polluting the river, um, you know, for short-term gains. So mm-hmm. through education and, and reading and just passing along information to our client base, you know, we were able to get undaunting support um for my clientele because the you know folks that come here to visit they love this place just as much as we do regardless they don't get to spend you know every single day looking at it and thinking about it but uh i had a guy tell me once time one time that i thought this was really a a kind of novel idea Uh, we were floating the river and he asked me he said do you have any pictures of my office and your office I thought that was a weird question, and you know, I was laughing, and, <laughs> and 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 I didn't really understand it. I'm like, no, I, you know, this is my office, and he says, well, I have pictures of your office and my office. Uh, and once I heard that, I, you know, that really that that really made me understand that, you know, if a guy is working, you know, at a bank or at a construction job or a trucking job, you know, they're they're still at the end of the day, they're coming home and they're looking at their photo on their wall of the Yellowstone and and planning that next trip here to to be a part of this. Absolutely. We are super, super lucky to not only do what we do for a living, but also reside within such a special place in the world. I agree. So Jed, kind of building off of that, I'm going to kind of jump around here a little bit, but could you share a quick story kind of off the top of your head in which a client or say a loved one demonstrated conservation ethics through your teaching. So kind of a proud guide moment for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that I do quite often, uh, and actually it was kind of a learned trait for my girlfriend was if we're on a daily float trip and I just see some, some basic trash laying out there, whether it be a small piece of metal all the way down to a candy wrapper, I make an effort to make, I make an effort to pull the boat over and get it. Um, you know, I mean, if we're in the middle of just lights out, hot fishing and I, I see a piece of trash, I mean, maybe I, I don't pull over for, for that piece, but I don't forget where it's at and I'll circle back. Um, but I think it's really important to show people that you care. And, and, you know, one of the ways to show people that you care is to do it yourself. Um, and so, you know, these people really take notice, uh, of the fact that, you know, you're going to pull your boat over to pick up trash. So I think for me, you know, one of the, one of the highlights is, 
we stop for lunch and, or, you know, we want to stretch our legs and get out of the boat on one of the gravel bars. And I had a, a guy and his family, they came back with like their, their ball caps full of trash one day. And I just thought that was the greatest thing. I'm like, you know, I didn't say, Hey, let's pick up trash or Hey, let's do anything. I was completely away from them looking for rocks and, and they came back, you know, no rocks, but half full of small garbage. So I thought that was really cool. And, and I think that, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't have to be a, you know, a, a, a great act. It can be as small as picking up a single piece of trash. Yeah. Lead by example, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that if you care, that's really the only way to be. Agreed. Entirely. <laughs> if this bill is passed, how do you see this area benefiting from the protection? Well, I, I think that the, the, what, the majority of the way that we're going to benefit, um, number one, is it's going to bring a little bit more attention to the river, which I think is a great thing. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, you know, we're talking about 18 miles of essentially, you know, the origin of the river outside of the park boundary. By protecting that, you know, we're then protecting the fringe of that as well. So you're mm-hmm. talking another 30, 40 miles downstream that are going to see the benefits of the protected section that is upstream. Yeah, so it kind of sets the precedent outside of the park. We have a chance to get it right. So if we can help safeguard, even, you know, it may seem small and insignificant in the greater picture of things, but 18 miles of protection goes a long way for sure. Yeah, especially on a large river like this. So lastly, Jed, if you had a message for folks right now or could encourage others listening to take action, what would that be? Vote. <laughs> I think I think the most important thing, if you're a Montana resident and, and you do care about our national resources, is to really consider them when you're casting your vote. Um, it, you know, it's in recent years, it's been tough, especially politically, to, to find alignment. You know, for myself, I I really don't side with very many politicians. However, um, the one thing that I do continue to side with is the natural world. And I really try to focus on... Um, policy and and who is going to protect what we already have because they're not making any more of it and the beauty of protecting it is then we we, you know it's fully protected we're not going to lose it for the future whether that be Mm -hmm. access whether that be just water clarity and and overall cleanliness um once it's once it's in a protection act like this um you know it it's going to be a long, hard-fought battle to ever get it out of that. Yeah, for future generations, we have the, like I said, the chance to get it right and to preserve this area of the world so it looks the same to generations after us as it does to us today. Absolutely. And with, particularly with this section of the river, I mean, there's just, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of area up there for development. So, you know, kids that are born now uh, say that, that live in Bozeman or Helena or, you know, even up in Great Falls that are making a trip down here to the Yellowstone. I mean, there's the potential that it's going to look the exact way that it looks for many, many years to come. Um, You know, they could potentially take a field trip here. Like I know that a lot of kids in Montana take field trips to the Yellowstone Park and they come through Livingston and up through the North Gateway because it was the original entrance. And I just think of how special that would be to look at something um, you know, and as a child and then come back as an adult potentially with your children and it's pretty much the same. That is very special and it's, you know, areas like that in the world are becoming less frequent 
Oh, this, yes, I think that's a, a great message for folks to really get behind this area of the world. Awesome. Well, Jed, I want to thank you for your time here today. Uh, I really appreciate it. I apologize that you cannot be down south, <laughs> but I hope that you have a great winter here in Montana. How? When was the last time you spent a winter in Montana? It's been uh, five years, so wow. um, it's been a you know not an incredibly long time, but but long enough to where I've forgotten mm-hmm. how cold it gets. <laughs> 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 yes, this year it's been mild, but just be ready. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it's probably coming based on everything that I've read, which would be great for for snowpack and water levels. I mean, it's yes. that's the other thing is you know as fishing guides, it's kind of hard to complain about the snowfall. Um, and plus, we we all like to ski, so we'll figure out something to do in the winter, and uh, we'll be ready for spring when it gets here. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Jed. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thank you again, Kinsley. Take care. From all of us here at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, thank you for tuning in. If you would like to learn more about the Crown of the Continent proposal, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, and to join our efforts, please visit healthyriversmt.org to add your endorsement.